Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We have the pleasure of talking to Rod Woodson, former Raven safety, and we're going to talk about the 30 for 30 ESPN document- documentary, The Bullies of Baltimore, in which Rod was a, a main character in that. So thanks for joining us, Rod. Uh, first question for you is, is, you know, what was it like being part of this? It was, it was really taped during a championship celebration when, you know, it was a, a reunion of that Super Bowl 35 team. Just what was that whole process and that night like for you? I mean, it's always good to get back with your buddies, uh, especially, you know, a team that went to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you, you build those, those friendships, and uh, you, 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 you always enjoy when we come back together and kind of talk about not just that year, but the years after, years before. Uh, anytime we can get together and, and talk to the guys, it's always a good time. Nice. Now, that team was full of huge personalities, and that comes across in the documentary. And it's just fun to kind of see the, some of these old clips and, and how brash that team was. Now, you kind of seem like you're a little bit more of, like a, of, a, of a chill uh, approach. You know, it, like some of these guys were brash in your face, and you don't seem like that you're that type of dude. So how did you fit in with all that going on, or, or was there more to that when you were a player? Tell me about that. No, I mean, it's yeah, I'm more laid back. Um, I'm not a real talker. I'm not, I'm not gonna give you a lot of headlines and highlights in the sense of, uh, you know, one liners. Uh, I just go out and play. I'm a blue collar. I I put it this way. I'm a blue collar football player just played in the Midwest that moved over to Baltimore for a a little bit. (laughs) But you know, the way I fit in with the group though, as a whole, which really started before the Super Bowl. So it started my first year there in 98. When I come in, I meet Ray Lewis, who's a young pup. And talking to him and telling him, you know, it's got to be more than, you know, just making tackles. You know, we got to be bigger and better than that. And, you know, how do we do that as a group? We collectively, we got to do that. And, you know, you know, Ray was, you know, all the players were Ray was his their contemporary, right? So they would listen to Ray, where they looked at me and they saw Grandpa Paul. Right? You know, <laughs> like, okay, this is. You know, I remember first coming to the locker room in 98, and they're like, hey, man, I played with you on Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm old. I know I'm old. So, you know, and then I had one of the players even called me Mr. Woodson. I'm like, hey, that's my daddy. Stop it. <laughs> you know, so, but, you know, I, but I blended in in the sense that to bring some stability, uh, some calmness to the group. Uh, but it's always fun to listen to the guys who did have that life in them, you know, where Goose and Shannon – and Ray, all those guys that had that type of life in them, you know, those make the locker room. Those make the fun times in the locker room, um, you know, and it makes it worth it 
because being in a locker room with 53 men for five months, it's, there's no other place on earth like it. Mm-hmm. That especially you build in that all room. this chemistry. <laughs> well, especially in that locker room. And each <laughs> locker room has its own special qualities, right? Yeah. Um, and it was fun to see it, you know, grow throughout the years. And then that year was just a special year because everything came together for the defense. Uh, you know, offense had their struggles, but we never splintered as a football team. And that's what made it really, really special. It's funny, Rod, I, I had in my notes here that it seemed like you were the dad of the defense and you're saying you were called the granddad of the defense. You just skipped a step. I went over. But that's what they call the old guys, right? And the old guys in the locker room were grandpa paws, right? So, and I was that. You know, I remember Marvin calling me and saying, hey, man, we got a really young, talented football team. Um, we just need somebody to, to teach them what it looks like to win. Right. And at that point, I never won a Super Bowl, but I was, you know, I was doing everything that I could to be the best player I could be every single year. Um, and then coming over there, you know, seeing where the growth need to happen and talking to Ray about it and telling Ray, hey, man, you're going to be the one who kind of implements this whole thing in phases. And phase one, we had to try to get them to buy into having Friday meetings, with, you know, just with the team. Or just with the players, no coaches, giving us a script, letting us go through a whole game, letting us talk about how we're going to see the game being played out. Because the coaches the coaches are conductors. The players are the actors, right? They're mm-hmm. going to make it come alive. So seeing that come to life in 98 and then in 99, and then everything kind of clicked in 2000 where everybody bought in. Everybody did what was asked of them. We still had fun because it is a game, <laughs> so you should have fun in a game. But how it all came together and to see how the personalities kept coming out, right. each phase of it, and it never, you know, which made it even funner because, you know, Goose was always Goose, right? <laughs> Shannon was always Shannon. It doesn't matter who they were talking to. Ray was always going to be Ray. So having those guys there and seeing them kind of go at it at times, especially <laughs> Shannon and Goose, uh, but Ray, you know, Ray having his little quirky little things that he liked to do. Uh, it was fun to watch, and, and it was it was really a, a year that I'll never forget. Right now, in the documentary, uh, they played a little match game game uh, with Brian Billick, and they said uh, the cue for you all was that Brian Billick, he sure is a blank. Shannon's answer to that was know it all. Goose said, "Pain in the ass," and we have to be able to curse a little bit on this, or you're not able to tell the story <laughs> of the documentary. We're quoting Tony said. We're, we're quoting him. Now, your answer was winner. For Brian Billick. So that led me to the question of, Rod, were you the butt kisser of the 2000 Ravens? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't the butt kisser. I would give, I would give Brian a hard time. I, I had to bring, again, on the stage, I had to bring balance. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> right? So, so true. You got to have balance. You have to have balance inside of a team. So somebody has to do it. Everybody can't be crazy. If everybody's crazy, we're going off on the deep end. Right, right? that's so true. Um, you know, but what I loved about, first of all, what I loved about Brian is that Brian treated us like men. Mm-hmm. We didn't have bed check. Mm. And I'm, when we first came in, he said he wasn't going to bet check. I'm like, what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> uh, but, we, but, we, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And we really, inside the locker room, we policed it. And we told the guys why he's treating us like men. Mm. We are. 
I mean, you know, at that time I was 34, right? you know, years old, something like that. So I'm like, hey, I respect that. And and then, and, and when Brian gave us that responsibility, we all made sure that all the young players respected it, mm-hmm. right, in that, that, that time frame. And then with that, though, it was great to see, like, Brian would walk out and he wore these Daisy Dukes shorts <laughs> every single day. <laughs> and Tony would just crushing. <laughs> Get out of here with those ugly legs. You got those Daisy Dukes on. I mean, just everything. And it's normally, but normally you never talk to the head coach like that, right? right, right ever. Right, right. And no and no other team I've ever heard that before. And then when Brian kind of gave it back to him, I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is gonna be a fun year. <laughs> That's cool. So one thing that was mentioned in the doc uh was Ray Lewis watching Gladiator. Okay, he would watch it before every game. So, did you ever watch Gladiator? And I don't know how much Ray is making this up, or if this is actually you know true. But uh, would you ever watch Gladiator with Ray? I've never watched Gladiator with Ray, but I watched Gladiator. Okay. Did Gray watch it every game? I'm not sure. You know, it's like a fish. You know how a fish. You know how as you get older, you know how your fish tails, your fish gets bigger. And bigger. Oh, of course, exactly. of course, exactly. I'm just saying. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying. So uh, next time he tells the story, he, he'll he have the gladiator I, mask but, on. But 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 you know you know you know he did you know put his hand on the grass and you know how he rolled it you know um. how gladiator he rolled it and he said and he smelled and he said oh my oh my command unleash hell and uh, and he did that one time he said it one time and I was like are we serious man you're quoting gladiator <laughs> like <laughs> really. <laughs> Like, I couldn't even take it serious because I knew where it was from. Like, I can't even listen to you now. Like, you know, but but with that being said, that he made it fun because he always had something to say. Uh-huh. You know, Ray thought he was a poet. I think he also thought he was a poet. He's like, you know, he would have some weird messages on his, his if you called his phone, he would have a message for you to leave a message. Uh-huh. Right. And those messages, were, those messages were crazy. I think like the first time I called his phone, <laughs> it was like, I walked down, you walk down the steps and you turn left and you're walking into the wind. Are you walking in the right direction? <laughs> like, and I, I just want to like, leave a message. What? what? <laughs> so, <laughs> F are you talking about? Like, what? But that's, that was our team. And that's what made the team so special because everybody was willing to be themselves inside the locker room, but then we all accepted each other for who we were. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So you talked about in the documentary that after the week one shutout in Pittsburgh, that that really kind of showed you like, oh, wow, like we might be better than we even thought we were. And, and you know, the 99 season, which was really when I was a kid and I started following the team, was that 99 season. It was like the first season that the Ravens were, were kind of good, you know? And you were right. like, they're building something here. And then... You know, you obviously, you know, added pieces. Shannon Sharp came in. Sam Adams came in that 2000 year. So really the talent level was was nice, right? And you said that shutout in week one proves something to you. Can you just talk about what you saw and, and what that did for the team? Yeah, I mean, each year we added pieces, right? Right. Guys were uh, let go. We added new pieces in. And then that, that year that we brought in Sam and, and Shannon, you know, and having that shutout, you can kind of see it because we've seen each year 
more players bought into having the Friday meetings and doing basically policing ourselves in the locker room, mm-hmm. right? After the first year, the second year was even it was even better, and then the third year you can really kind of see it during training camp and even off season. You can see the guys all buying into it, and then this kind of fruit of our labor that that first game we had the shutout. We're like, oh, okay, we keep this up. This is going to be this is going to be fun. And mm-hmm. on the same token, with that, but Marvin Lewis was getting better and better of calling games and making game plans, mm. and players really trusted his game plans. And if we question the defense inside of that, Marvin would throw the defense out. Mm. So he started he started mm. believing in us. Interesting. And I think it all came together because, you know, you know, having a shutout the first game out, we knew we were going to be good. And I don't think any of us thought we were going to be that good, right. to be honest. You know, but the way when we started playing and how fast we played, and we practiced that way too, though. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a pact that year in training camp that everybody's going to run to the ball and touch the ball. Even big chunky Sam, even big chunky Goose, <laughs> run your butt to the ball and touch the ball. Mm. And that was our training. Mm. And we said, if we do that every single practice, every single day, nobody's going to be ready for that speed. And nobody's going to be ready for us to play that hard for four quarters. Right. And it happened. It happened all during OTAs. It happened all during training camp. And we played that same way all season long. I think another game that kind of showed like the dominance of the defense was the week four game against the Bengals where Corey Dillon literally tapped out of the game and said, I'm out. You gave up 94 yards of total offense and he had four yards rushing. Uh, and, and he's like, I'm out of this game. And the documentary captures that really well. What is it like when you see a team and a player like that just give up and say, I- I'm not going out there against those guys any longer? Yeah, I tell you what, we had – we only had two Hall of Famers come off that team, right? But, man, we had so many good players. I mean, we just think about having Goose and Sam Adams. And we talk about Goose because he has such a big personality. Sam Adams, man, that dude, we call him Sybil because we don't know what you know, if he's going to be a good mood or bad mood today. <laughs> but he played, he played ball, though. Right. He came out, he played ball. And I've never seen two guys inside that were so big, they were so agile, and you couldn't move them. Mm-hmm. They're like a brick wall. I mean, so we knew as a secondary, ain't nobody running against us. Right. We got those guys with our backers, ain't nobody running against us. So we don't need to be running up there trying to fit mm-hmm. in the run. Let's stay back on the back end. Let's make our plays when we are called upon. Just how it all came together with – Peter Boulware and Rob Burnett and and Mike McCrary, all those guys all made plays throughout all these games. But then playing against a guy like Dylan and he doesn't four yards, taps out, that's what you want, right? You want to see the really good players on the other team say, ah, nah, don't play messing with those dudes anymore. <laughs> and that that's when you know you're playing really good football. Over the course of the season, did you see – offenses and offensive players just could you sense that they were scared of you over the course of the season i can't say scared uh but i know they respected us and some didn't and we used to say all the time nobody's nobody's ready for our speed Mm -hmm. nobody was ready for us to run from the first snap to the last snap like we ran to the ball nobody's ready for that Mm. but we prepared ourselves that whole off season really the year before and the year before that, but the whole off season, 
to get to that point. And everybody bought in. Everybody was in shape. I mean, you just seen guys flying to the ball at all times. I mean, there was multiple hats at the ball at all times. And, you know, when you, when you play like that with the talent that we had, with the development of our defense coordinator, Marvin Lewis, which I thought he should have got, he should have got assistant coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, seriously. How did he not? That, <laughs> I, it's, that's crazy. I don't know how you don't. Yeah. You, your defense breaks all the records. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's crazy. And you don't get assistant coach of the year. Like seriously. that makes no sense to me, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to back up a little bit and you kind of referenced this and they talked about it in the documentary was that, you and your mentorship of Ray and saying to Ray, like, we have something special here. You are special. And we we need to take it to that next level, right? That it's okay to know that you can take it to the next level and be the best ever. And kind of unlock that right. that next tier was, is a, was an important moment for this team. Can you talk about kind of how you helped shape Ray in that way and, and how that rubbed off on the rest of the defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, it started from day one when I got there, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember they were like, everybody said, hey, yeah, Ray Lewis led the team in tackles. And I remember, and it's a clip, and even in our uh, in our uh, hard knocks where me and Ray are in the back. We, were, we always sat in the back, and we stretched together. Mm-hmm. And Ray's like, yeah, I led the team in tackles. I was like, so? Like, <laughs> who cares? Like, there's 31 other guys that lead their team in tackles. Right, right. Like, like what? What is that? And you know, my point to him was that to do more. Don't think that's your. That shouldn't be your standard. Your standard should be higher than that because you're such a better player than that. Now we just got to start making big plays and big moments and big games, mm-hmm. and then that's where you will. That's where the Ray Lewis will show up. The real Ray Lewis will show up, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's been, it was happening. And I remember when we played Tennessee. And he hit Eddie on like I think they ran like a uh, outside zone, and Ray just smacked him right in the head. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this dude is showing up right. in these big moments. And I remember he hit Ray, he hit Eddie, and all he said was, "It's me, it's me," and he didn't even say his name. <laughs> he <walked back> to <laughs> and I just fell out laughing, like, "Oh my gosh, man, this, dude, this is crazy." Uh, but, is that the one know, where Eddie George see, folded this, like a baby? Apparently, <laughs> he was he was in the fetal position a little bit for a little while. Down the ground. <laughs> I will say that, but to, to, but for to see Ray grow over the years was like really tremendous. And can I told I used to tell Ray they're not going to listen to me in practice. Mm. So when practice is going south, is going bad, you need to be the one to. Pull everybody together. Mm. It can't be the coaches all the time. You're going to be the one to pull them together. And he started the first year, it was spotty. The second year, it was better. Third year, dead on. Mm. I didn't have to say anything to him. He did everything his way. He got a, he got the guys going in practice. He challenged the guys, but he loved on the guys. He was a, he was a great leader. And I arguably say, and I say this all the time, he's probably one of the best leaders I've ever seen in my time frame of watching football. Um, as as a player who played at a high level, but then challenges guys, but also loved on his guys, and they all want to follow him. Mm. Mm. So a, a fun back and forth on the stage that night was uh, you and Shannon talking because Shannon was saying that he had his first career catch 
in the NFL against you. We went back and we did the research here to look this up. On October 14, 1990, Broncos Steelers played each other, and Shannon had caught his first NFL pass for 12 yards. Was that so? What what is your verdict here? We don't have the play by play. We told, can't tell I, this, against you. This is what I. This is what I told Shannon. I don't remember you. <laughs> it meant nothing. It was a ten yard catch. Okay, great. I'm like, I don't even know who you were. <laughs> yeah, this that's rookie. What I told him. I said you knew who I was, but I had no idea who you were. So that's what I'm telling you. I love it. It, it love- was his only catch of the day, and I think he had seven catches that year. <laughs> so you, just to give you a little more ammunition, if you want it, you know. Yeah, I like funny. that. I, I'm going to use that one on him. Yeah, there you go. You know, it, it was interesting because when we just you, you mentioned that you didn't feel like the locker room was divided that year and it could have been I mean the defense or the no, offense didn't score a touchdown for five straight games and Shannon actually you know in one of his press conferences basically said like they got to pick it up like you know he, they took ownership of that and right. like how did you keep the lock locker room from being divided because like that would have been a very easy thing to do and, and it feels like like it would have been okay quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Well, you know, the one thing that we said on defense is that that's not our job. We're not, we don't play offense. Our job is to play defense. And if they don't score, they don't win. It's going to finish a tie. Minimum, it's a tie. <laughs> uh, but, our, our, but our secret recipe was every Friday, me, Shannon, and Ray would get into the steam room. And we'll say, okay, Shannon, what do you got this week? And he'll go, I think we got 10 points. It's impossible. <laughs> And it would it would be about that too. It would be about what he said. It would be ten points, thirteen points somewhere in that area. And we're like, bruh, if you we did, and well, we said if you give us thirteen points, we win. Uh-huh. Just give us thirteen points. We're good. That's and so and he was about right almost every single time we did it. That is so funny. So so a lot of talk also was, you know, the goose hit on Rich Gannon and Phil Sims blowing up about how illegal it was and all that in the AFC championship. Do you think it you know it wasn't illegal? Was it they didn't throw a flag? Exactly, exactly. You know now by today's rules, like the game has oh, kind of well, softened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like that's the whole body weight you can't land on the quarterback rule, basically. Um, 
Do you think the 2000 Ravens could have been the 2000 Ravens with today's rules? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. cause I, I think we had such chemistry. Right. And we, But we have commitment to each other. As men, we, we made a challenge to ourselves in training camp that we're going to run, really in OTAs, that we're going to run to the ball every single play, every single snap, every single day. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. Is it going to be some hot days? Yeah. But we said that to each other. And we, have, we uphold that to each other, and we challenge each other every single time. We saw one guy maybe slacking up, and we did it all year long. Right. I mean, all year long. Do I think the same rules? This, you still can hit hard. Just hit right. Right. Hit in the right spots. Now, you know, Goose couldn't do what he did to Ritz, you know, <laughs> but he still can sack him. Right. Right? He still can sack him. We still would have won the game. When I still, I wonder I, I, too. We still a had lot a better of, football team, right? I wonder. You know, a lot of the documentary obviously was about a mentality, right? It's that being the bully, right? And like, I feel like that mentality certainly would not have been any different with the characters on that team and no, the talent. Yeah. And like, so from a mental standpoint, and just the way that you play the game would have been all the same. It wouldn't have changed. Right. Nothing would have changed, and you know. I can't say we, we were bullies in the way we played, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. We weren't bullies in the way we talked. Like we didn't talk about a bunch, right? You know, and Ray might have had some some great quotes at times, and some of the other guys might have had some quotes, mm-hmm. but we didn't give a lot of one-liners and, and ammunition for the opposing team. Really, and we respected them. We respected them, but at the end, we knew they weren't better than us. Right. Well, the biggest. And we were like, nobody's better than we are. Yeah. The biggest talker was Shannon. I think in terms of trash talk, well, right? Well, that's that's his that's that's, that's his the side of the ball. Side. Yeah. Right. Right. That's and Brian awesome. Brian may have been number two. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Brian. Brian, we had to we had to have his back because he said some things. You'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> we got, now, we're, now we're really gonna be fighting on the field, <laughs> you know? But you're 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 taking up for your coach. Right. 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 So he's our guy. He, uh, he believed in us. What I really liked, though, it was one time, I don't know what it was, we, we were playing music in the locker room, and Shannon hated music in the locker room. Hated it. And he went to get Brian like a baby. He went to go get, you know, daddy. He went to get his dad. And then he brought his dad and said, they're playing music in here, and I need to quiet. He basically wanted to quiet. And he was like, who, the defense? And we were like, yeah, the defense, we like our music. And he was like, well, if it's a defense, we're going to let them play the music and <laughs> walk back out. <laughs> that must have been that's during the five-week stretch. That's when I knew we were I knew we were turning him to the dark side. That's hilarious. We were making Brian go from offense to defense. That's great. That's so funny. It's, it's funny to hear you say that, that you know, because the documentary does – it certainly makes it look like you guys were a bunch of trash talkers. Like, And, and maybe it's more Shannon and Goose did have the one-liners, like, and, and Shannon standing on stage after the AFC Championship saying, deal with it, America, and there's a clip of him. Whatever they say, we said, we said it, and, like, all that stuff. And it seemed like you guys almost, like, relished being, like, okay, like – having that brash attitude like it seemed like you were fine with that yeah branding yes well we weren't we weren't scared of anybody yeah i mean i i guess we we would have beat any any team in the league we would have beat them yeah i mean that's is that brash is that confidence Mm -hmm. i mean you know i don't know whatever you want to call it that's our that was our belief system we just thought that if you put any other team on the field with us 
they're going to lose. Uh-huh. Right. We don't care who it is. And we just had that belief in it's that it's a fight. Like that's that confidence and cockiness. There's a real fine line yeah. right. with that, with the two. Right. And we, we walked that line. We really did. We walked the line with the confidence in the cockiness, all in the same swag. But I don't think we ever overstepped about now. Shannon, Shannon talks too much. He has, that's why he still has a podcast. He gets paid talking because he just talks a lot. Yeah. But for the most part, we kept it. We kept it one hundred, as you as the kids will say nowadays. Um, but as as we walked on the field, we just knew we were the better football team on the field, and if we played our best game, especially defensively. You're not going to beat it, and you're not going to score. Yeah, I think a great example of that was in the documentary talking about the mentality going into the Super Bowl against the Giants, right? And I think your quote was, we just knew that we were going to win this football game. We were just trying to figure out what our ring sizes were. <laughs> which, which is great because we have a saying We have a saying on the podcast here on the lounge, every time the Ravens win on Monday when we're talking about the game, it's a size them up Monday. You're just sizing them up every time you get you a win. <laughs> and you know, you know, you know, this is this is the God's honest truth. Yeah. So you know Minnesota was really good that year, right? So I remember watching the you know the clock and we seeing that the the New York beat Minnesota. We're like, what? How in the world they beat Minnesota? So we're like, okay. Once they won, we won. We looked at the tape. One, I think it was like a quarter, maybe it was a half. We're watching the tape. And I remember looking, me and Ray looked at each other and said, man, if they get past the 50, we quit. <laughs> and they, they got past the 50 once. They got past the 50 so one time. Funny. It's like, we just, we just knew, we just knew they weren't better than us. We knew they're going to try to run the ball against us. That wasn't happening. Right. They're going to try to throw in the seams. That wasn't happening. So we just knew their game plan and what they did all year long. Fit, fit what we do perfectly. So mm-hmm. we just knew we were going to win. Yeah. yeah, what was it? Was it like Kerry Collins? What What was it that you saw that just you were like, nah, this ain't going to this ain't going to do it? We knew they're going to try they're going to try to run Tiki. Right, like, exactly. Not He's not like a us. physical right, back. Not, exactly. No, you're, like you're not going to run against first. They're not going to run. So now you're going to put Kerry in past situation. Right. So now we're going to blitz you and get our rushers on the edge on against you. And you're, you're like throwing in the seams. That's who Sean Payton was. Sean Payton mm-hmm. was the coordinator. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Sean Payton, like, he likes to pump over here, throw over here. He's been doing that forever. And that's what Kerry was doing. We're like, okay, well, we'll just take the second pump. We'll, you pump over there, we're going to go the other way. <laughs> right. That's what we did. I mean, that's how we got so many balls knocked out. Right, mm-hmm. and interceptions. Yeah. Well, that game, I mean, that game, yeah, your game was dominant from start to finish. Was it just playing in that Super Bowl, like – I mean, Super Bowls generally aren't blowouts. So when you have a blowout like that, is it just you're, there's no pressure at that point in the second half? Like, how much fun was the second half of that game when you guys are just dominating the way that you were? Yeah, you know, it was it was pretty crazy because you know they go down, they 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 uh, get the kick return, but then when when Lou returns the kick again, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, freaking, this is over. It's over. So we're just like, you don't really want to talk about it too early. So we really didn't talk about winning the game until probably the beginning of the fourth quarter. Okay. So we had 15 minutes on the sideline. Well, we we got to talk about it. <laughs> um, but it was it was fun. And I remember I remember seeing Mr. Modell when he came to the sideline. We we're like, 
what's a ring going to look like? <laughs> what's it going to look like? Put some extra diamonds in it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Does it does it still bother you to this day that seven on the final score because it wasn't an offensive touchdown? I hate it. I hate it. I was like, we technically had the only shutout, right. but since they did score, it goes against us. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it I, I absolutely hate it. We should we should have had a shutout. Yeah. Yeah. So um so Ride right now uh you are in training camp. This is a pivot here. You know, you're in training camp, you're you're wearing your Vegas football shirt, you're coaching the XFL's Vegas Vipers here. Um, so how was that going? How's training camp going? The season starts February 18th. Um, how are you enjoying it? And, uh, what are you looking forward to about this XFL season? It's going well. I mean, the last three days, it's been an ice storm down here in Dallas. Right. So the, all the roads have been icy and you know, they don't put salt down here. They put <laughs> sand on the ground. I don't think it works. They should, <laughs> they should talk to the cities up North to say, Hey, how do you remove ice from the roads? <laughs> that, that would be a it. really great question. <laughs> um, but other than that, other than sitting in the hotel and doing zoom the last three days with the players, it's been going fun. I mean, it's, you know, to build a team in a five week period is, is, pretty tough task to do um but it's been fun it's been fun Uh, we we got a group a really good group of guys our core guys who we know is going to be on the team they've been great leaders uh you know and what we told them from day one is that we're going to try to build men along with better football players Mm. and if we can do that then we're going to have a real mature football team that's going to show up on game day that you know because what i always tell the guys is i've never seen an immature player even a mature football player. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one. I've never, you've never seen one. There is not, there's no such thing as an <laughs> immature individual to be a mature player in any sport. Uh, so if you can show me maturity outside of it, then I know inside of it, you're going to be mature. Yeah. Rod, thank you, buddy. Really All appreciate right, I, it. I appreciate you guys. All right, thanks. All Have right. a good one. Good to catch easy. up. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great stuff from Rod. Also, we want listeners to know that the sports landscape is ever-changing. This week is no different. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and it still has daily fantasy contests running for everyone who's still looking to have some skin in the game. Every player has a salary associated with drafting them. You assemble a lineup of players, and then you sit back, and you try to watch your points pile up while staying under that salary cap. Salary cap is important these days. A lot of salary cap talk. (laughs) We're going to more of of it. Yeah. So now that you know how to play, sign up on the DraftKings app today, download it, and sign up using the code FLOCK. New users get a free entry with their first deposit. Again, the code is FLOCK. Yeah. So uh, just what were your takeaways from the Bullies of Baltimore documentary? Loved it. Really entertaining. I laughed out loud multiple times. You heard me. I heard you. Yeah, you, heard, yeah. you heard me at my desk this week laughing out loud. You're like, I knew you must exactly be watching what you were watching. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was there was so many great moments, great footage, um, and like I think we both felt that Tony Sergius was the star of the show for sure. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool because obviously with Goose, uh, you know, passing away last year, this was really a great tribute to him. You know, it just really captured what he was all about, you know, just the big heart, uh, obviously the comedian just being hilarious, the football player aside, you know, just, um, it was, it was really cool. Uh, you know, I would say the character, the player, the teammate, the father, yeah, you know, yeah, we saw all that of goose and to be left with this kind of treasure after he's gone really does feel special. Yeah. It's, um, obviously, you know, it, the, 
Gu's passing away was so tragic, but the silver lining in some way is, is that they had this moment, you know, they had this mm-hmm. event and that he passed away not long after it. And so they, they had this opportunity where they were able to come together and have this reunion, have this night um, and get these stories. Mm-hmm. And it was just really powerful. I thought the, I thought the filmmakers did an awesome job. The other thing that stood out is just the brashness. I mean, we asked Rod about it. You yeah, know, he kind of downplayed surpri- it. I was surprised by that answer. Yeah, he kind of downplayed it. We didn't talk too much trash. I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, I thought that you did. <laughs> right. And he was like, well, Shannon and Shannon. But um, I, I thought that the brashness of that team was unique. And, of course, like you're pulling clips and you can be selective about that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it sure seemed like they <clears> captured <throat> the uh, – the feeling and the emotion and the attitude of that team. Well, I, n- I never really got the sense that Ray Lewis was a big trash talking kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah Gusa was hilarious, and and you know nobody was as smooth with the f bomb as as Goose. <laughs> you know, no nobody in history. Um, but I didn't ever, you know, like I mentioned, I was fifteen, sixteen years old. Uh, I was fifteen during the 2000 Ravens team. And so I was a big, big Ravens fan. And like, I remember that year and I don't ever remember thinking that goose was really a trash talker of the other side either. Mm-hmm. The defense clearly had tons of swagger, but the, the trash talking was from Shannon. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like the quote I mean, from Chris the, McAllister, the stuff, <laughs> that was, that was certainly inflammatory. Yeah. That was certainly inflammatory. And, and <clears throat> you know, now the clip from Billick was in his locker room, you know, right, where he says right. the best team, but he didn't think not that today. Was get out. You know, then that gets out. Right. You know, so like I don't really put that on him. But right. like you said, the brashness. I think there's a difference between brashness and talking smack necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he. You know, he talked about what Ray said to Eddie George when he popped him pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that like they definitely made the opponent aware that they were good. Yeah. You know, so the funny thing is, like when you're watching it, I found myself being like, is the way that the 2000 Ravens were perceived, is that the way that the Bengals are currently perceived? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that you could look at like a lot of teams over time and be like, or a lot of players in different sports or in the NFL and say like, is he that guy? And I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I guess my answer is no. I don't think so. It. A lot of teams that play the Bengals, you know, the Bills were chirping about yeah. the Bengals and their cockiness. Pretty much everybody. Yeah. The, the Chiefs, it was a big running theme all week. Um, I think there are some similarities there. And when you're a fan of that team, you know, as I was with the 2000 Ravens, like, it's fun. Yeah. You're like, I love this. Yeah, be cocky as, as all get out. I, I eat it up. When you're on the other side, you hate it. Right, so that was kind of what they conveyed in this documentary was that the 2000 Ravens, and they seemed to embrace it with Shannon Sharp, particularly some of his quotes. They embraced being the team that people didn't like. Well, they did. The difference it seems like, like you know, going into the AFC Championship, like the Burrowhead quotes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't seem like the that wasn't as much the Ravens. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Now. Um, you just basically, it's fresh, so you really don't like the Bengals, and you're basically like, America didn't like the Ravens in, 20, you know, in 2000. I really, <laughs> I, I honestly go back and forth, and in part maybe because of how I grew up and rooting for the 2000 Ravens. Like, I honestly kind of go back and forth on the Bengals. On one hand, it really does bother me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. geez louise. On the other hand, I'm like, this makes the game more fun. Yeah. Like, this is what football, it's entertainment. 
it makes it more fun. Like it oh, just yeah. adds to the like the Raven Steelers of the old days when like they really seemed to despise each other was fun. Like yeah. they wanted to just kick their heads in, you know? And like so I, I honestly kind of I don't like it and I like it at the same time. It's it is more fun. I mean, you get like quotes from Travis Kelsey on the stage after the AFC Championship. You right. shut your mouth and know your role, you jabroni. <laughs> right. It's funny. Mayor. It's to funny. The mayor, yeah, the mayor of Cincinnati, like <laughs> you know, it's 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 fun. So uh, if you haven't watched it yet, the Thirty for Thirty is out. Uh, it aired on ESPN last night. It's just a great, great documentary. So much fun to look back at that um, that team and that season. Um, real quick, uh, the last kind of thought here. Offensive coordinator search ongoing for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Canales from the Seahawks reportedly had a second interview. Um, we'll see where that goes. Um, it seems like every other day there's like another candidate. You know, yeah. the, the, it doesn't seem like. I, I don't know whether the first phase of like the initial you know wide net of first interviews is done. Right, right. Oh, and we're on to the second because. Yeah, I don't know. So, it, you know, it just keeps growing, seemingly. Yeah, so no real update on that front other than that it's ongoing. Right. And um, we'll see if it happens before the Super Bowl's over or if it happens soon after that. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me really either way. So uh, there's going to be more to come here. Um, it's it's a busy time of year. Senior Bowl? Yeah, Senior Bowl. You know, all of the decision makers down there talking to some of these prospects. Um, combine's right around the corner free agency as well so um, thank you so much for listening make sure that you leave a rating and a review for the podcast and uh, coming up soon maybe next episode we give away the helmet Ooh, sure why not we give away the helmet we got some emails we got a ton of well we got a ton of emails uh, over the course of the year that we'll read that have you know, if you send an email, you're entered to win the helmet. Over the entire course of the Over year. Over the entire course of the year. So we got a big list. Big list. All right. Uh, you can email That's us at lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again soon. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Thermador at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.